Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast every week talking college baseball. Aaron, uh, we're a month into the college season. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of movement in our top 25 already, which is uh, – and and some of it has been a big surprise. So let's just jump right into this week's rankings and this week in college baseball. And let's just – I think it's always instructive. It's easy, I think, to take the top teams for granted. But chalk at the top of our rankings, three of the top four being from the Southeastern Conference's East Division, Florida, Vanderbilt, Oklahoma, the interloper there at three, South Carolina at four. Um, I guess the most noteworthy things in here, A, Florida just keeps on rolling. And I talked to a scout this weekend who just kept on raving about Brian Johnson the same way that you've been talking about him. But uh, just hearing that again was interesting. Second of all, Vanderbilt, kind of steady as she goes, 16-1 and for the Commodores. And then South Carolina um, finishing up a series win against Clemson earlier in the week. A lot of heated controversy going on in that series that seemed to die down after the series was over. And then uh, taking care of business against a, a kind of a plucky upstart Cal State Bakersfield team. Uh, let's talk about the Gamecocks for a second. Um, they brought back their Friday starter, Michael Roth, to finish off that Clemson series. Um, obviously, that that you know I don't want to get into the leaving the bats out into the sun and all that stuff, but you know how big of a deal uh, was that uh, series win for South Carolina over Clemson? And uh, what, what's your take on the defending national champions here four weeks in? Well, certainly that was a big series, and you know I think they, the reason they brought Roth back for uh, what one batter, I think. I mean, you know, it was probably a throw day for him anyway. It was a Tuesday game, but sure, uh, sure. but but you know, I mean, that was a big series. Obviously, it was a huge, huge series for them, much bigger than than otherwise would have been because of what happened, you know, over the weekend with the bats and you know Will Lamb's comments, kind of calling out Tyler Webb, and you know, the, the whole thing was was ratcheted up to an insanely um, feverish pitch and, and, uh, you know, South Carolina wanted that one bad. You know, you could see it in their comments afterwards. Um, and, uh, you know, and then they got it and, and South Carolina, you know, they're the defending champs, I think are, um, they've played like we thought they were capable of playing, but we didn't want for, we weren't certain they would play this way. You know, it's a, they, they, they've lived up to their potential, what they've done. Their, their pitching has been basically as good as you could have hoped. I mean, once again, their bullpen is a strength. Um, but, you know, Michael Roth and, uh, um, you know, Stephen Neff and Adam Westmoreland, those guys have stepped forward um, in the weekend rotation as they needed to. And, um, you know, and then certainly they've hit. We thought they would hit, and, and we thought they'd play defense, and they've done those things. So um, South Carolina, it's so far so good. It's just It's just been a best-case scenario so far, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think you're right, because the questions that we had about them so far, I mean, Michael Roth was just so money in Omaha last year. And talk about uh, carrying some carryover. You don't always see carryover from one year to the next. But, man, he's uh, he was clearly good enough to start. Uh, but I don't think it's just it's one thing to become a starter. It's another thing to become a Friday guy and the, your team's go-to pitcher. And, 
he's done it. And like you said, I mean, coming into the year, they have a lot of the same pieces back, but no Blake Cooper, who was their guy for what, three years? Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he pitched in a lot of games there for four years, and, and certainly he was their guy last year. And, and, and Sam Dyson was, you know, also a workhorse and, and, and a big power arm. So those are two big pieces to replace. And, and Michael Ross' numbers are, are terrific. I mean, he's got a sub one ERA now. He's got 30 strikeouts and seven walks in, in 27 innings. I mean, he's just been really, really good. He's been a legit ace so far. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I think uh, tip of the cap to uh, tip of the cap, a wag of the finger to use a Stephen Colbert phrase to uh, to Michael Roth. I don't know why I'm wagging the finger, but uh, I'm tipping the cap. Um, we came very close at number five, Aaron, to uh, the entire poll meltdown. Um, I shouldn't use that phrase right now. I shouldn't make light of uh, meltdown. But well, the rankings got really dicey after four. I don't even remember, frankly, because I can't find my notes where we left. Uh, what we did at number five, we did leave Texas at five, did we not? We did, we did. We we thought about uh, having a little bit of a market correction there, and you know we were going to move up Florida, UVA, and LSU um, as a group because those Florida three State. teams all all have. Four, I'm sorry, Florida State. Thank you. Um, those three teams all have, a, I think, just one loss, and and you know they've 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 played well, and and uh, especially you know UVA and LSU are coming off huge series wins. Um, on the road for UVA at Clemson, at home against Cal State Fullerton for LSU. And you look at Texas, and, you know, they've got five losses. Uh, they haven't swept anybody. You know, they have losses to Brown and Maryland in there. But but they also won three out of four games in both those series. And, um, you know, we thought about moving them down a few spots. And uh, it, it's a tough one because we did move TCU down three spots, and it almost seems like a comparable situation. The difference is Texas hasn't lost a weekend series yet. They just had a four-in-one week, uh, and it just seemed a little too harsh to, to move them down three spots after a four-in-one week. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the Longhorns, uh, you know, it seems like they and UCLA have some similarities. I'm not trying to jump too far ahead, but they were both ranked in the top five in the preseason. I guess top six, UCLA, oh, Texas was six, uh, because of dominant uh, weekend rotations, dominant pitching. Uh, Texas also has uh, had some real nice success out of its bullpen, maybe a little bit stronger to this point uh, than UCLA's has been. But we had real questions about both teams' offenses. It seems like Texas has done, has done just enough offensively, Aaron. Uh, uh, do you think that the Longhorns are going to be able to pick Are there signs the Longhorns' offense will pick up to a level close to last year's? I don't think we can expect them to be at last year's offensive level considering how experienced and veteran the middle of their lineup was yeah. last year. But do you think Texas's lineup will be – uh, what, what are the signs that we have that Texas' lineup will improve and continue to improve this year? Well, you know, first of all, Texas's lineup is is really nothing like last year's lineup. I mean, I think last year they set a school record uh, with 81 home runs, and and right. this this team's you know not going to sniff that. It's just a, it's just a completely different kind of lineup. It's back to um, it's back to Augie Ball. It's back to bunning with your cleanup hitter, you know, rather than, than right. letting Cameron Rupp swing away or, or Kevin Keyes or one of those guys, you know, it's a, they're, you know, and, and they, they got a big home run this weekend, uh, from, uh, Eric White and they've had a few, they actually have hit a few home runs. I think they've got two or three now, you know, it's a power surge, but, <laughs> uh, but their offense is going to be fine. I mean, it's, you know, they are not going to blow people out most of the time, but they're not going to give up many runs. And, and, you know, I think they're I think they're going to score enough, and and I still believe the same is true of UCLA. And I will say that coming into the year, you know, I thought UCLA's offense was going to be fine because it was it was decent last year, and and they had most of the same guys back. 
um, but they just haven't hit. And you know, talking with with John Savage this weekend um, after that that demoralizing loss they had on Friday when when Garrett Cole had a a perfect game going into the seventh and eleven strikeouts, and he was as good as you know as any college pitcher I've ever seen for six innings. I mean, he was insanely good. Uh, and then they lost the game; they couldn't hit. And you know, Georgia had a bidding, and that was it. But um, John Savage, you know, afterwards said, you know, some of these guys were really good for us last year. They just don't look like the same hitters with these new bats. And um, you have to wonder, you know, I don't want to get myself in trouble here with any of our advertisers, but there's some 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 talk out there from some coaches that that it might vary from bat manufacturer to bat manufacturer. Not all of them might have, might have done as good of a job with the BB core bats. So I'm saying that that's the reason, and certainly UCLA is not saying that's the reason. Uh, but I wonder that. I'm throwing that out there. I wonder if all bats are created equal with these BB cores. I think it's very possible they are not all created equal. They were not all created equal beforehand. So <laughs> I think it's probable that they are not all created equal, and I think it's uh, very likely that you're going to see some differences. Um, but that said, um, I think that you, you can't use the bats as an excuse, even if they are different. Uh, there's still other ways to score than slugging home yeah. runs. I mean, and, I, and, I think you got to get past that mentality if you're UCLA. You know, you can't. You're right. That. You're right. And, and you know, UCLA on Friday, I think they struck out 11 times against Alex Wood, a guy who basically was just throwing fastballs for the most part. I mean, he mixed in a slider, an occasional change, but it was probably 80% fastballs at 90, 91 miles an hour, and uh, and UCLA just wasn't hitting them. You know, I mean, if you strike out 11 times, it's not. Not the bat's fault. You're not making contact. I I agree. And you know, the, uh, UCLA's only got nine sacrifice bunts all year. You know that surprises me. In 14 games, I only have nine sacrifice bunts. When you're slugging 323, I expect you to try to play a little more Augie ball. You know, Rick Vanderhook learned Augie ball from Augie. Um, it surprises me that UCLA is not doing that. I don't want. I didn't mean to jump ahead though and uh, jump on the Bruins. Um, but since we are talking about the Bruins. Um, the other team that we, we dropped them to 24 in the rankings, Rice drops to 25. Aaron, it sounds like you almost have a little bit more confidence right now, or maybe not so much confidence, but that Rice's resume is a little stronger than, than UCLA's at this yeah. point. And, and I, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, Rice has played eight ranked teams. UCLA has not played any. Um, you know, so three and five, you know, ten and th- three and five against top 25 teams and 10 and eight overall for, for Rice. And I guess the surprising thing is that Rice is just not quite hitting like we thought they would this year. Yeah, they've been a little bit up and down, you know, and and, and um, I I feel like they, they maybe are getting some answers on the mound now. I think that they, they liked what they saw from Chase McDowell on Sunday. That was probably a very encouraging thing for them um, because he's a guy that they, you know, they liked a lot in the fall. He was up to 94, showed you a good breaking ball, and, um, you know, and, and he threw a complete game on, on Sunday when they needed it. They needed a win. Um, so, you know, maybe now the rotation is settling in. They still have Matt Reckling in the mix, uh, you know, Austin Kubitsa and John Sims. I think those arms are good. I, you know, I, I really do believe that their pitching staff is going to be fine. Um, they need to be more consistent offensively. You know, they're hitting 270 as a team. Um, you know, even Anthony Rendon cooled off a little bit this weekend. And the rest of the lineup, uh, they only have one other guy hitting 300, and that's uh, uh, Craig yeah. Manuel. Uh, and that's obvious. His quality is obvious by his name, but uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But they, you know, they're they're not defending too much either, Aaron. That that seems to be an issue for them. Yeah. They had a bad weekend defensively. Um, are, it seems that they're also a little bit banged up offensively, aren't they? Isn't there a starter missing there? Michael Fuda, I guess, is uh, injured or has yeah. been this year. 
Yeah, Fuda's got a hamstring issue, so I think you know when he comes back, that'll certainly help. And and when Rendon can play third base again, you know their their defense I think will be much better. It's uh, I think you know what we've seen is evidence of just how valuable he is defensively. Um, their defense suffers without him on the field. Yeah, I don't think there's a doubt about it. I mean, that's that, and that's uh, per- perfectly understandable. He's just a Gold Glove caliber third baseman. He's a you know he's a almost a Ryan Zimmerman level defender. He's not quite that good like the way especially when Zimmerman was at the college level where people thought he was like the best defensive third baseman they'd seen in college baseball but Rendon's like only, only a notch below that I mean yeah that's not that's not a very big notch and um, and, and you know speaking of third base I mean that's you know Paul Maneri told me last week and I agree with him that uh, it's, it's an underrated defensive position you know and that's why he he made the switch he moved Tyler, um, Tyler Hanover back to third base and you know we just saw within the last week or so last weekend Vanderbilt moved Jason Esposito from shortstop back to third base and the impression that I got is because they were having problems at third base not because they were having problems at shortstop that's fascinating I I remember talking to uh, Pat Murphy a long time ago when I was doing a freshman of the year story on Xavier Nady and he was talking about how hard third base was in college baseball because the balls especially with the old bats the minus five bats because you had to play so deep because the ball would just explode off these bats. And if you were playing your normal depth in college baseball, and, I, and even with the minus threes, you are playing pretty far back because the ball could explode off the bat. And then conversely, you had guys bunting, <laughs> you know, a lot. There were a lot of bunts. So third base was just an incredibly difficult position to play. And now I think all these defenders, as you wrote about in the preseason, but, you know, I think we've all we've both seen as we go to games this year, you're having to relearn the sound of the ball off the bat and how to react to swings, how to react to the sound of the ball off the bat with these new bats. Uh, third base is a huge challenge. I think there's even more bunting now, it seems like. I would imagine there's more bunting now uh, as teams have less confidence in their eight-hole hitter's ability to go oppo and hit a home run. You know, it's just not happening with these bats. So yeah. Third base even more of a challenge. Uh, I think that's pretty fascinating. Let's focus on some of the teams that are off the grid start there and the teams that we moved up. And I guess the, the, there are two ACC clubs that had really impressive weekends this year, this weekend. Conference play started in the ACC. Florida State sweeps, you know, Boston College. They should sweep Boston College when they're at home, frankly. But then UVA going on the road to Clemson. Uh, huge, huge weekend for the Cavaliers. And Aaron, I think you wrote about it on the blog. And uh, if, if we had a midseason player of the year, a one month player of the year, it would be Virginia's Danny Holtzen, and it probably wouldn't even be close. He's been insane, you know, and it's not just because of his, his numbers on the mound, which are really good. I mean, he's 4-0, and he's a 0.66 ERA, and it's it's 50 strikeouts and four walks in 27 innings. That alone, you know, and, and I know they haven't played necessarily the, the strongest schedule, but they have played East Carolina, and now they've played Clemson, and he was great against those two teams that are quality teams. Um and, and on top of that, he's hitting 372. He's got 16 RBIs. You know, he's second on the team in hitting. Uh, he's been so valuable. And you know, we I'm glad we had him on the the first team uh, preseason All American team in, in the preseason as a as a two way guy because right. um, because he's making a big impact on both sides. And and uh, you know, it seems like every time he starts a game on the mound, he also helps himself with the bat. He's just one of those guys. Um, and and you know, Virginia, what a huge huge series for those those guys on the road um you know i think they've proven right now that they're the class them in florida state are the class of the acc virginia's the class of their division i think i think that's pretty clear 
Um, you know, Tyler Wilson moving to the weekend rotation has worked out great for Virginia. It's helped that they've got some more depth in their bullpen this year. Um, Brandon Klein seems pretty well suited for the back of the pen. Um, generally, Cody Winarski has been good on Sundays. He was not good this past weekend. But it's nice for Virginia that, you know, if for some reason Winarski doesn't work out, they can move Brandon Klein back into the rotation or they can you know move Wilson around. They, they've got some some options. But I think right now they like the way their pitching staff is set up um, and, and they're hitting, too. I mean, I just think that they're they're a good, solid team. And the most impressive thing to me, Aaron, is that a lot of times we you know, we've talked about strength of schedule and playing kind of some cupcakes early like, you know, UVA basically did. Um, that did not seem to affect them when they played a uh, opposing top 10 team on the road in Clemson. They were ready. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's because they got used to the bats. They've only got one home run as a, you know, the whole team. They've got eight, you know, they've, Keith Worman has as many sacrifice bunts on his own as Texas has. Uh, but I mean, like they, uh, we talked in the preseason, they would be a team that should adapt pretty well to the style. Cause they always play in a, in their home ballpark is not a home run ballpark. They don't usually play for the home run. Uh, they've been kind of a pitching and defense team all along, but uh, I don't think we expected them to be off of this kind of a start. I mean, that, that just that, that's pretty loud to go down to Clemson and uh, shut them down the way they do. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that they started the season this year on the road down at Auburn at that tournament. Uh, so they had some experience, you know, in a little bit of a, of a different environment. And, and there's a lot of veterans on this team, too, the guys that have been around, and, you know. Um, there's some young players too. They lost a lot of a lot of a lot of veterans from last year's team, but you know the Holtz and types and the Stephen Proches and you know you know I love Stephen Prosha. He had a big weekend, uh, four for five yesterday with a home run. Um, you know those guys I think are, are stabilizing forces. Well, there's their first home run. And speaking of uh, two-way ACC players, uh, Sean Gilmartin was the other uh, left-hander and hitter who got a lot of support on our All-America team for the utility position, which was surprising because. He's not even the best utility player on his own team. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the best two-way player at Florida State is Mike McGee, obviously. Uh, but the Seminoles just uh, just rolling, even after some pretty significant losses uh, from last year's club. Um, you know, and Gil Martin is one of the guys who's making that team go. He's really just, you know, after really struggling down the stretch last year, he's been outstanding this year, and they seem like they've got a lot of answers and a lot of options in their bullpen and their rotation as well, Aaron. Yeah, you're right, and you know, Gil Martin. It sounds like he's finally discovered that out pitch that he was missing last year. I've, I've talked to some people about him, and it, and it sounds like his changeup is, is a plus pitch now. And, you know, he needed that. Um, but uh, he, he's been really, really good on Friday nights. You know, he's um, he's he's throwing strikes. He's he's got three five strikeouts and three walks and in, in twenty nine innings. So he's missing bats. Um, you know, and 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 it's funny because like you said, the scouting directors gave him a lot of support as a two way player, but he's only got four at bats. Right. Um, you know, so it's, uh, he's, he's, he's makes such a big difference on the mound that that's where they need him. And, and they're so deep offensively that, you know, they don't really need him to hit. Um, but, uh, but you're right about the, the depth too on the staff. I do think, I think it's a staff than they've had there at, uh, you know, sometimes in the past, but, um, it not, it's not necessarily a deep, deep with with overpowering arms it never is you know that's just right. not how they build their staffs there but um i think this is the kind of staff that that's well suited to to win in this you know in this era i think i've talked about this before i mean it's just guys who throw strikes and um and it's a good offense to go with it i think that's actually a winning formula and i, I wonder you know i mean and that, again I, I talk about uh, my conversation with john savage this weekend you know everyone was saying that uh, the new bats would help ucla and his his thought was you know we were already shutting people down with our arms i mean right uh, you know the, this all this did was hurt our, our 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 bats you know i mean we, we 
Yeah, we're we're still we're still pitching great, but what, what does it matter? We can't score any runs. <laughs> That's funny. You can't give up less than zero runs. So <laughs> you know, if you're already shutting people down, uh, you can't shut them down a whole lot more than they were. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron talking a little college baseball. Aaron, uh, we have a UVA question I meant to uh, uh, read earlier. Um, let me see if I can find this. Ted Dintersmith, uh, who I think had to go to UVA with that last name. Uh, he loves our podcast, probably not anymore that I made fun of his name. But Ted asks, <laughs> any co- is there any college team in 2011 that had as good a season, as good a weekend series as UVA just had against Clemson? And uh, do we have any thoughts on this upcoming Virginia-Florida State series where you, uh, that Friday night game, he said, should be a, a beauty with Gil Martin and, and Holson. As good as Gil Martin's been this year, I think that you and I both think that Holson's better. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, Holson is a guy that, that I think sometimes gets lost when you're looking at all the arms in this college draft class. You know, you're talking about the mid-90s guys like Cole and Perk and Barnes, and, you know, it's it's a great group of power arms. Um, but whenever I'm talking with scouting directors and I've been running into them a lot lately, it seems like, because, uh, I guess I'm in the right parks, but, uh, they always bring up Holtson's name too. You know, he's, oh, don't forget about Holtson in that top 10 mix. You know I mean? He's, he's, he can really pitch and he's just, you know, his stuff's just a little better. And, and, you know, that's gonna be a great matchup that that's, it's a, um, I'm looking forward to that series is probably going to be the after weekend preview coming up next week, uh, this week, but, uh, I, I agree. I think that's probably the, the most impressive series anyone's had this year, going on the road and sweeping Clemson. I mean, you know, I, I've been impressed with, with LSU sweeping a series at home against Fullerton, but it's a home series versus a road series. And and Clemson's not an easy place to play, and, and unless you're UVA, apparently. Did you see that stat, John? UVA is now 17-4 and against Clemson since 2004. It's hard to believe. I did see that. That is, that is almost impossible to believe. It's because uh, Clemson's... Uh been good for most of that stretch i mean so is uva obviously but clemson uh just went to omaha last year i mean they had one they had they did have their regional streak lost in the middle of that uh whatever year that was 2008 but it's, that's still stunning uh, I, I'm, I'm with you that's that's stunning we've had a lot of acc so far let's talk a little more sec Aaron, because they had their big series of the weekend uh we do have a lot of questions but they're all about that uva florida state series but we i think we've talked about that a little bit um the other big series was lsu against uh, cal state fullerton and fullerton you know, kind of playing all comers had a very you know they had a loss to North Carolina in one game, they had a series law a series win I should say on the road at TCU, but I think we all thought that you know boy Fullerton's got all kinds of pitching depth, figuring things out offensively, taking on all comers, whereas LSU had kind of played a softer schedule, but a the Tiger fans, unbelievable have more than twenty seven thousand people on hand for the weekend series against the, the Titans. And second of all, pretty impressive performance by LSU. Not just a score, not just to sweep the series. I mean, sweeping the series, they won two one-run games. That's impressive. But twenty-four runs on the Titans. Uh, let's talk a little yeah. bit about how that's happening with LSU. Uh, it can't just be uh, Mikey Matuk. It's like this is that up and down the lineup uh, they're they're producing. Yeah, they are. You know, and you you really got to tip your cap to them. I think that's a a great. Not, you know, it's obviously a great series sweep, um, and I and I'm surprised by it. You know, I I even I think picked Fullerton to win that series on the road because I just thought their pitching was better and um and their you know I thought their offense would, would perform and, and you know those are two close one run games Friday and Saturday, uh, and then LSU just kind of blew them out I think on Sunday, um you know which is which hasn't been easy to do because Colin O'Connell's been great on Sundays this year for Fullerton but um but LSU's offense is dangerous you know it's it's 
the newcomers. This was a, a the number two recruiting class in the country for LSU this year, and and you know those guys are once again living up to their reputation. It seems like when LSU brings in a top recruiting class, like they did three years ago, and they had uh, the number two class, right. uh, they 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 get results. You know those guys they perform right away. That year they went to Omaha, they won the national championship. The next year, um, this year, you know it's it's. Jacoby Jones leading the team in hitting. It's it's Rafe Rhymes, you know, junior college transfer. He's second on the team in hitting. You know, it's the two freshmen, Kurt McCune and, and Kevin Gossman, holding down the weekend rotation. Uh, those you know, those guys really have have been the key, I think, for LSU. They needed to be because LSU lost some key pieces last year, um, and and you know they still have some some veteran guys back. We've talked about Austin Nola and Mikey Matuk and Tyler Hanover. Uh, I really like those guys. But uh, you know, I think I think the Tigers needed their youngsters and their newcomers to to do uh, what they've done. It seems like it's not just been the guys who were the hyped or the draft guys. Like a Jacoby Jones was a big time deal. Like you said, it's been or Gossman. It's been everybody. It's not one or two guys. It's uh, it's a lot of those newcomers uh, getting it all done together, which is impressive. And I think it speaks well of Palmineri's ability and that coaching staff's ability to get those guys ready to contribute from day one. Uh, it's one thing to have come in with some hype and some attention. That's uh, another thing to, to actually go out and perform uh, from day one. Uh, does this make LSU? I mean, they were already the favorite in the SEC West coming in, Aaron, just looking at the rest of the SEC West. I mean, Arkansas, we still don't have the, the Razorbacks ranked. I'm, I'm sure you'll hear about that in the rankings this way in the, in the rank, uh, the poll, this, uh, what am I trying to say? The chat, you'll hear about that in the chat this week. But to, to me, it seems like LSU is just still far and away. the, the favorite in the SEC West is it as big a chasm as I think it is, or is Arkansas? And you got a chance to see Arkansas on Thursday. Is it closer maybe than I'm than I'm thinking it is? Yeah, yeah, I, I think Arkansas is pretty good. I do. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I do think LSU now has established itself as the clear-cut favorite in the West, whereas before I thought it was pretty close. But uh, you know, but I believe in Arkansas. I think you know they were actually better than than I expected them to be. Um, more athletic. I mean, their their lineup, I think, is very potent. Yeah, they're scoring um, some runs. <laughs> yeah, they are. And Dominic Ficcicello, you talk about you know newcomers making a difference. That guy is is a seriously dangerous hitter. And and you know we kind of knew he was coming coming in, but he's he's hit the ground running. Uh, you know, the day I saw him on Thursday, he was four for five with a with a double to left center and a double to right center and. It's just you know the the ball comes off his bat really easy and it's it's really fast quick hands and uh, you know it's I've talked to a lot of scouts who really really like that guy I think he's going to be a premium pick in, in a couple of years but uh, um, you know but it's not just him obviously you know Kyle Robinson has been a revelation for Arkansas um, that guy is his. He's, he's hit a lot, and you know he's very athletic. I was impressed watching him run around the bases. He can move. Um, it's uh, that team. I think is is certainly going to be a factor. You know, and they need Ryan Stanick to get get well because he's been sick the last couple of weeks, and they've been worried there might be mono. Um, but uh, you know, he's certainly a key piece as a freshman. But um, you know, DJ Baxendale's been good on Fridays, and, and he hasn't like given up Nolan a run Sanford. yet. Yeah, that's right. He's been he's been really good, and and you know they like Ryan Sand. Uh, I'm sorry, Nolan Sandburn at the back of the of the pan. He's another freshman guy um, who's been you know up to 94, 95. So they've they've got some they've got a lot of talent there. But uh, I, I think I think with these young teams there will be bumps in the road. But you know I think Arkansas can certainly make make a push in the DC West. Yeah, Kyle Robinson, like you mentioned, I mean this is the guy who's you know been there and has. You know, he's a junior college transfer last year, but like you said, not a guy that there were big expectations for. 
and uh, just having a tremendous year. You know, Colin Kuhn hasn't really hit for Arkansas yet. He's got a couple home runs, but uh, yeah, Arkansas again. I, I think it's a, a great point that this was a highly regarded recruiting uh, class, number eight recruiting class. And well, Ficcicello was what, like a 23rd round pick, but I think we thought he was had a chance to go even higher. Uh, he was a top 10 round talent, but uh, you know, again, he, just, he uh, was. I think he was a top 100 guy. He so I mean, yeah, he was number 77. He was. He was number 77 on the top 100 last year. So I mean, this is a a guy we thought had first three rounds talent and uh, has played like it so far for the Razorbacks. So really, the whole point with Arkansas not being ranked there. We've thought about Arkansas. We thought about long and hard about Oregon State. Thought long and hard about uh, UC Irvine. We couldn't really see dropping any of the teams. We dropped UCLA and Rice pretty much at the back of the rankings. Um, you know, they're both still over 500. You'd like to see the Bruins, you know, win a series. They've lost three straight series. They've dropped accordingly. Um, what, I guess it seems like this, the thing that's working against Arkansas, Irvine, Oregon State is just they haven't played even as good a schedule as UCLA, not to mention Rice. Uh, and wasn't that pretty much the consensus? Yeah, that was what, what hurt them is they didn't quite have that signature win. I mean, um, UConn, um, I'm sorry, UC Irvine and Oregon State both have a win against UConn, and that's the best win that any of these teams have. Um, and, and that's that's nice, you know, but uh, um, it's it's just not quite enough. I mean, we, we put we kind of put UCLA and Rice on notice. We, we certainly debated knocking both those teams out of the rankings because, you know, you got to win. And, and, and I think dropping UCLA from preseason number two down to number 24 now, um, you know, I think that that's that's showing everybody that, hey, you know, we're not we're, <laughs> we're not just sitting idly by while they lose. You do you do have to win games. Right. Um, but but, uh, you know, that said, their their pitching staff is really good. It is pitched very well. Um, and and um, we're kind of giving him one more week. Aaron, we got a couple of uh, questions uh, coming in on Twitter uh, at Baseball America and on the Facebook. So let's answer a couple of uh, podcast questions if you're good with that. Yeah. All right. Um, like I said, uh, a couple of them are related to the UVA Florida State series. But you know, here's Japers, a longtime uh, BA fan. Uh, well, he wonders if you know you've seen a lot of Garrett Cole. Anything about Cole's delivery make you nervous and give you Strasburg flashbacks? Aaron, I just was watching a little video of him, and you've seen him. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's his delivery is all that similar to Steven Strasburg's. Uh, but have you heard uh, talking about the scouting director you talked to? You, any concerns about about Cole? No, not at all. And and you know everyone, in fact, seems to say that delivery's gotten a lot better, certainly than than it was in high school. Yeah, it was um, a, he had a he yeah. had a very rough finish to his delivery in high school. I think he may have landed on a stiff front leg, if, if memory serves. But there was a little bit more effort in his delivery in high school than there is now. That's for sure. Yeah, he smoothed it out, and and you know I, I don't want to get into talking about Strasburg's delivery and whether that was why he got hurt and all this stuff. I mean, sometimes pitchers just hit, get hurt, you know. And and the, the the consensus about Strasburg was that his delivery was fine. You know, maybe it wasn't perfect, but um, you know, I I don't know. I I I, I wouldn't want to say that anyone's having Flashburg uh, Strasburg flashback. Flashburgs. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just you just coined a new term. Anytime a pitcher. Has questions about his mechanics, you're going to say Flashbergs. Yeah, I think that but, might uh, join. I'm going to have to make that a hashtag and see if we can spread that spread that around. But I will say that I think Cole's draft stock is is getting pretty similar to where Strasburg's was as a junior. I think Garrett Cole is really really good. He's he's the complete package. You know, it's um, it, he's always had that premium fastball, but he's really learned how to pitch with his his slider and his his changeup too. Those are both plus legit 
plus to plus plus pitches. Um, I mean, he's 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 you know he's so composed now. He's so mature. He's he's just come a long way in all facets. I, I think the guy is uh, is special. Agreed. Really big Garrett Cole fan. Um, Josh, uh, I can't pronounce Josh's last name. Asks on Twitter. Uh, is the Florida State UVA series the best the ACC has to offer? That answer appears to be yes. I mean, we have both. Those are the two highest ranked ACC teams right now. Uh, Aaron, do you think those are uh, you know, the best two teams in the league? Is there anybody sniffing those two teams right now? Well, I mean, you know, Clemson, I, I still think, is the other team that's kind of in this mix as, an, as one of the top contenders in the ACC. And, and UVA just went down to Clemson and swept them. So I think clearly Clemson is behind those other two teams heading into this series. Uh, another here's a good question from Noah Wilson. No offense to Josh, not like that was a bad question. We just kind of asked and answered, counselor. But uh, Noah Wilson asks, which player has surprised you the most so far? Someone who maybe wasn't a top echelon uh, guy going into the year. Aaron, is there a has there been a breakout guy for you? Uh, you know, nationally, I know it's kind of uh, you're kind of to pull one out of nowhere, but you've seen so much of the country already. Um, who's who stood out as being better than you expected so far? Well, you know, Kyle Robinson is one guy that we kind of talked about. Um, you know, that, that's a guy that really wasn't even on my radar coming into the year, and he's been outstanding. Um, you know, that, Mark, that, that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure there, there, there are others, Mark, uh, but off the top of my head, that, that can't really think of one. I'm sorry to talk over you there for a second. I was going to suggest Mark Pope at Georgia Tech. Um, he's really, he didn't come out of nowhere. He was a very highly regarded guy at a high school. You know, we had some reports he was throwing 95, 96 in high school. Um, but this guy's been just ridiculous for Georgia Tech so far. And the Yellow Jackets, 12 and 4, uh, have a couple of uh, kind of head scratcher losses. Uh, you know, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Those are competitive teams, and uh, Georgia Tech is young. The Yellow Jackets have been uh, quite good so far, and their pitching death is pretty impressive, Aaron. I, I would nominate Mark Pope. When you yeah. can have him go on Friday and you can come with Jed Bradley on Saturday, that's a and an unsigned fourth rounder and Matt Grimes going midweek, uh, you know, and some of the the bullpen depth they have. This uh, freshman Dusty Isaacs out of Ohio, who's just been outstanding, uh, ten scoreless innings so far. Yeah, Luke Bard's been good out of their bullpen. They don't seem like they're really even missing uh, the fact that Kevin Jacob isn't quite uh, right yet. Uh, I don't know if Pope's a good suggestion for you, or is he almost yeah, too highly regarded coming in? No, I think that's a really good suggestion. I mean, he's a guy who has, uh, who has certainly, you know, achieved above what, you, what would have been expected from him. Um, and here's another name I'll throw out there. He's not a junior. He's not a draft eligible guy. But Kurt McCune at LSU. I mean, to me, maybe that's been the biggest surprise out of anybody. He was a guy that uh, wasn't really featured as as a key part of their recruiting class. I don't even think they listed him among their top ten recruits on the form that they they sent in to us um and he's he's their friday starter I, I think i think he's going fridays uh and and he's been uh he's been really good he's got a you know a one was it a 111 era um and he's just doing it with his fastball mostly you know he's, he's he commands the fastball it's kind of 88 to 91 it's got good deception he, he works down in the zone good angle um that that's a guy that i've been really impressed with that i hadn't even heard of going into the spring that's a great point. I think you're right because I don't think he's on their questionnaire, their recruiting questionnaire. Hughes McMurray asks, what do you think of the Gamecocks starting pitching so far as compared to last season? Is it enough to repeat? Um, and I think we've touched a little bit on the Gamecocks, but also Jackie Bradley and Christian Walker on fire this season. Is there a better 3-4 combo in the NCAA at this point, Aaron? Uh, best 3-4 combo in a lineup. Uh, put you on the spot again. Jackie Bradley Jr. and Christian Walker are a pretty good one. Uh, be tough to top that one. 
does sound like Florida's middle of the lineup, though, still, uh, especially with Preston Tucker really, really heating up lately. Uh, I might just go with the Gators. Uh, but South Carolina, it's hard, hard to beat Jackie Bradley Jr. and Christian Walker. What, what's your take? Yeah, you're right. I mean, as far as production, too, we're not just talking about ability, but also production. Um, I think you have to give the edge to Bradley and Walker. But, um, you know, I, I think you're right. Florida's group there with Tucker and um, Brian Johnson and Austin Maddox is talented. Those guys haven't really performed yet, except for Tucker. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think uh, I think Bradley and, and, and Walker is, is, a, is a good choice there. I mean, I like I like Arizona State's lineup, part of their lineup quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think there's some good ones out there, but, uh, yeah, I think I'll go with, I'll go with Jackie and, and, and Christian Walker. That seems like a good choice. Yeah. Hard bet against Jackie Bradley Jr. And then Kevin Leon Martin Jr. on Facebook asks, uh, what are the differences between college baseball now and college baseball within the media? I feel like there just isn't enough of it on TV. I think we're going to agree with that obviously here, but it seems like there's going to be more college baseball on TV this year than ever before. Yeah, the uh, the SEC is having a Thursday night game of the week on, on ESPN or ESPN two or one of their family of networks, and uh, um, you know there'll be quite a few SEC games on ESPN I think on the weekends as well, and um, you know there's there's certainly a lot of regional broadcasts that you can find. Um, it's it's you know it, depending on where you are and what kind of TV package you have, there's there's some options for you, but obviously we all like to see. Um, a lot more nationally televised games like there were during the, the hockey strike a few years ago and they needed replacement programming and college baseball kind of had a chance there. And I, I guess it just didn't draw good enough ratings. And that's why we are where we're at. Yeah. It does seem like there were more, uh, I still think that, like you said, it's been more college baseball this year on TV. I mean, even the Fullerton TCU series, uh, one or two of those games were on the mountain West network. Uh, if you have direct TV and you get the sports package, uh, those were on, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, like, I, I think actually there's been more. I, I still think uh, college baseball's just, uh, gaining momentum on the national front, uh, it seems like, uh, in terms of national media exposure and people knowing a little bit about it. And I, I definitely think the bats and the pitch clock and all the changes that are, are, are I think are helping the game, the, the, the game's tempo um, are, are a big part of that, Aaron. I know I went to uh, East Carolina this weekend, uh, Liberty and Monmouth, uh, played a fairly crisp four to three game. You know, Mammoth dropped a couple pop flies. Uh, they weren't easy plays; they were both running plays, but still dropped fly balls. And that game took like two hours and seventeen minutes. And the game afterwards, yeah. I, I couldn't stay for the whole game. But that game was already like in the fifth inning. I was in, I was an hour in, an hour and ten minutes in. So, uh, and you can tell. I think the fans are still adjusting to the increased pace of the game. Um, you know, have you gotten used to it? What you know, what's the feedback you've gotten just on the pace of the game? Both from I mean, scouts. I mean, I just had some Twitter this uh, yesterday Twitter conversation with a scout yesterday about uh, how much better it is for them just from evaluating and the time of game. What's the feedback you're getting on the coaches just on the in terms of the pace of the game and how quickly they're being played? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're you're dead on. It's been a lot faster, and, and I think the the numbers have have borne that out. I'll have to ask those our friends at College Splits uh, for for an update on on just how fast the pace of the game has been compared with last year. But um, it seems like it's been a lot faster. And, and I know for the first weekend it was about uh, at least 15 minutes a game or 20 minutes a game faster. So um, it's 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 really it's really been a market difference, and and I do think that's good for the. Uh, the sports long-term health, even though you know you just have to plan it accordingly and get your your hot dog uh, in the in the sixth innings, so you have time to finish it before the game ends. 
Aaron, a last question. Uh, you've been to a lot of games uh, lately. Uh, what is there one thing that has stood out to you, whether it's a, a player's performance or just uh, – and you saw, you saw a lot of great pitching this weekend with Matt Barnes and the Garrett Cole near-perfect game. Uh, was there an impression from this weekend's games that didn't make it on the blog that you uh, – or even one that did make it on the blog or on your Twitter account that uh, you wanted to pass on? Well, I'm going to have a, 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 a three strikes chock full of impressions from the weekend coming up here today. But we'll, we'll touch on Arkansas. Uh, we'll touch on Georgia, which I think uh, is, is a big story from this weekend. You know, they, they, they showed a lot of character. Um, you know, in, in the wake of this Jonathan Taylor tr- uh, tragedy, really, they've uh, they've they've really um, played with a lot of intensity and passion, and they went to the West Coast and uh, won three straight games out there. Beat Garrett Cole. Um, you know, I think Georgia is is resurgent, and and that's I think a, a major storyline from this weekend. I also saw Louisville and Pepperdine. Um, you know, Louisville uh, finally got the bats going a little bit. On, on, on Saturday and Sunday, um, the, the bats weren't great today. I saw them on Friday, but uh, they've got really good pitching, and Pepperdine really cannot hit. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think Pepperdine scored maybe two runs all weekend. So, um, you know, it could be a long year for the Waves. But uh, but Louisville, I think, will be will be competitive in the Big East with that pitching staff. Yeah, the ECU folks were talking about uh, Pepperdine's lack of offense as well. Uh, but uh, next week we have uh, more conference play to start around the country with the Southeastern Conference especially. Uh, loading up, we got Florida at LSU next weekend, Aaron. So there's a uh, that's a pretty good uh, Florida State and Virginia and Florida and LSU. A couple of pretty great uh, weekend series to look forward to next uh, next week. And then uh, sooner or later, the West Coast teams will start playing conference games, uh, which you know for me matter more. I, I don't see why they wouldn't, why they shouldn't matter more to people. But uh, I don't think the I don't think the, the the tournament committee, I don't think the Division One baseball committee sees it that way, and they don't see it that way in basketball. It doesn't seem like anymore. So um, I think it does matter though for for baseball. You, that, that's what everyone's playing toward, and uh, really in a lot of ways, uh, this part of the season, it's not spring training, but it's it's a little bit close to it. I mean, uh, I talked to uh, a column I'm going to write here, and I mean maybe you talked to the, the UConn guys about this, but especially for the northern teams, I mean. Uh, they say the first time, that, you know, the first weekend of the year is the first time they're outside. It's the first time they step yeah. on a dirt. This is the first time they step on a dirt mound. It's the first time their hitters hit and they're not in a gym. I mean, it just, I just don't think you can quantify. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, replacement level of a northern player stepping outside for the first time is. I don't think it can be quantified. But uh, right now, though, everybody's played. That's one thing with the unified start date. Everyone's played a month, and uh, when we start getting into conference se- uh, season, I think you really see the teams that are making progress, teams that are getting better, uh, teams that got busy living, and teams that are going to get busy dying. And uh, if you're UCLA, you better big get, get busy living uh, sooner. You're not going to be ranking our top 25 anymore. Which is which is hardly the worst thing I'm sure that they're that they're thinking about right now. But uh, but yeah, I mean they need to get going for their own good. And uh, you know if, don't, uh, that's a team that had national championship aspirations and wants to host a regional. And and you know after four weeks they're in no position to host a regional. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If they don't get going, the Pac-10 is such that yes, uh, USC and Washington are probably not regional teams. The rest of that league might be. Uh, the rest of that league looks yeah. regional caliber, and you know. Still pending the NCAs and uh, uh, ruling on Arizona State trying to appeal that, but I mean, uh, it's going to be tough for UCLA if they don't pick it up uh, by the time conference season starts. You just can't. Uh, just too, that league is too tough for them to keep playing this way. So uh, we kind of started talking about UCLA. We're finishing talking about UCLA, and uh, Aaron, uh, I'm sure you'll have more questions about them and uh, and everyone else in the chat. So uh, get ready for that. 
uh, enjoyed the podcast and uh, thanks so much. Uh, we'll look for you obviously on the t- on the chat, on the blog, and on Twitter at Aaron Fit. I believe you last che- last check you were just nudging under three thousand followers. So if you're not I'm following, just, I just Aaron, squeaked past it. I just squeaked past it. I'm at three thousand one now. <laughs> Outstanding. I can't believe I haven't picked up more people tweeting constantly about Carolina basketball, but it hasn't happened. Yeah, so. yeah, shocking. That, that, as they say, is what are. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.